The tide has turned. B2B buyers and sellers' interactions have changed. Welcome to The Marketect, a new podcast series for B2B product marketing executives. I'm Lindsay Chupkema, CEO and co-founder at Casted, the first amplified marketing platform for B2B marketers and a proud partner of the product marketing community. We are very excited to be bringing you this special series that focuses on amplifying the expert perspectives, insights, and opinions of this brilliant community. Each episode will feature in-depth advice from executives who will tell you how they built impactful teams, optimized go-to-market efforts, and enabled customer-facing teams. The Marketect is an easily digestible way to learn from your peers as you aspire to be an architect for growth. Welcome and enjoy this episode. Welcome to The Marketect, a podcast series where leadership and product marketing meet. The Marketect is for and about the world's best product marketing leaders and the chief marketing officers that own the function. Today, we're going to cover how to build, manage, and measure the marketing team with well-being, diversity, and inclusion top of mind. My lovely return guest co-host is Kate Bullis, co-founder and managing partners of Seba International. And honestly, beyond placing the who's who of sales and marketing executives, I truly believe she's the Sherpa for CMOs as we ascend to the pinnacle of our own Mount Everest challenge. Welcome back, Kate. Oh, Rowan, thank you so much for having me. It's a joy. Thanks for lending us your time as, as always. And we also happen to have the Chief Marketing Officer for Indeed, which I'm certain needs no introduction. It's a company that quite frankly, helps people get jobs. Jessica Jensen, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. What a treat this is. Yeah, our product marketing community and product marketing leaders are have been dying to, to get into your mind because of all the wonderful work that you're already doing at Indeed. And so with that, before we have tons of wonderful questions for you, but before we get into that, if you don't mind indulging me for just a minute, I have two fill in the blanks that I'd love for you to answer. Game. Okay? Great. Okay. Jess, I am in marketing because... Ooh, I am in marketing because I love to share passion for ideas and services and connect people with that passion. And I also love marketing because it is the fusion of art and math. And I always like to think of myself as a painter with an abacus. A painter with an advocate. Oh, I, I love that answer. My <laughs> word. That's one of the more creative ones. And there you go. You, you are an artist. That's one of the more creative answers that we've received thus far. And so now, Jess, complete this sentence, if you don't mind. My definition of leadership is... Helping a group of people achieve more than they thought possible and to care for each other along the way. Brilliant. Helping a group of individuals achieve more than they thought possible. Absolutely. I, I mean, that's the words of a servant leader right there. Thank you, <laughs> Jess. And I have so many questions for you, but I'm going to, Kate, well, please, why don't you take it away? 
I'm happy to. Thank you so much. Uh, Jess, again, thank you for being here with us. It's oh, a, it's, a, it's a delight to be with you too, Kate. Thank you. Honor, honor. Um, so before we ask you all of our questions as they relate to your current role as CMO of Indeed, we're very curious to ask you to take a step back, please. Share with our audience a little bit about you. Your background includes strategy consulting with BCG, and then marketing leadership roles in both B2C and B2B capacities across companies like Yahoo, Apple, OpenTable. How does this fabulous combination of experiences feed how you do what you do today? <laughs> the long and winding road that has <laughs> led to this store. Uh, yeah, I started in, uh, well, I, I uh, did a master's degree in Japan studies, lived and worked in Japan for four years. So I, I don't, some of you will remember that wonderful old song, I'm Turning Japanese, I Really Think So. That was pretty much the definition of the 80s and 90s for me. Then on a lark, went to BCG, as you said, did six years in LA with BCG, working on strategy and operations work for digital movies, packaged salads, satellites, office products, and everything in between. So I really became, I, I really at my core think I'm a strategy dork and like thinking about market segmentation and growth and competitive advantage and prioritizing investment across a variety of markets and product lines. That's really the stuff that got my brain firing early in my business career. And then I've I've really had, I, I would say, a downright strange path. I did a startup with my husband in the green housing sector. I ran strategy for the Americas for Yahoo. I was GM of a couple of online businesses at Yahoo. Then I did product marketing at Apple, then B2B at, for a long time at Facebook. And I mean, I just, I've, I've kind of basically followed a, ooh, is this interesting and complex and fun? <laughs> sure, I'll try that sweater on. And some sweaters are itchy and some sweaters are just right. But I've learned so much along the way. And I think I really did discover over time that, you know, again, the passion for connecting people and ideas and, and telling wonderful stories that yield amazing consumer outcomes and business outcomes is what, what really fires me up. And so then, you know, recently the opportunity came up with Indeed and I, uh, you know, I uh, getting people jobs is our mission uh, and that is a great reason to wake up and work hard all week. And so just tickled pink that I get to, you know, work with such a high growth business, a very, very global and uh, and try to take our, our, you know, message to market to both job seekers and to the businesses who are our clients. Amazing. I, I really just wanted to say, um, I can't help but think that that early foundation that you spoke of, I, I'm, I'm going to quote you on this one, strategy, being a strategy dork. <laughs> and, and that must have really influenced the way you look at the world even today. Instead of looking at the world so immediately through a marketing lens, looking at through just a, a strategy business lens. And then to go into positions in general management and general strategy before even taking on that first product marketing role at Apple, would you agree that that early part of your career is a, a large feeder into the way you do marketing today? 
Definitely. I mean, I, I think you that you've really nailed it, right? Like I think as opposed to some marketers who grow up through, you know, maybe a more traditional brand lens or right. agency work. You know, I am always the person who, you know, when starting to talk about marketing, I'm like, okay, market share by market, customer segmentation, growth rates, Mm -hmm. competitive advantage. What do we know about our, our products and services and consumer proclivities that will allow us to invest to win? Now, I fuse that with hopefully awesome creative and storytelling and you know, client engagement and media strategy, but I definitely start from that, you know, kind of good old school strategy grounding. So I think that does make me a a little bit different than the average marketing bear. Brilliant, Jessica. And just building off that. So from a strategic standpoint, you know, for me, the strategy of a company, it really boils, and for any company, whether it's Yahoo, Apple, OpenTable, now Indeed, for me, it boils down to two value drivers. There's customer satisfaction and then there's employee satisfaction. So as the CMO of Indeed, who's, and you you were mentioning this prior to the call, you've hired and or are hiring 50 plus marketers this year, which is phenomenal. You've had a hand in ensuring the success of both the customer satisfaction and the employee satisfaction. But let's just hone in on employee satisfaction for a moment. You know, this past year, it's really challenged all of us to compare the world we live in versus the world we want to live in. And as a leader of the Indeed marketing team, what are you doing to retain your team and ensure their satisfaction during this great resignation period, as it's uh, being uh, called? Well, first of all, Rowan, I just want to say that I think the way that you framed this, that really strategic success is about customer satisfaction and employee satisfaction, is brilliant. And I am stealing that, and I'm and I will always cite you as the source. I think that is an incredibly clarifying way to think about it. And definitely, I mean, I've always been obsessed with employee health and satisfaction, but I will say, after our long COVID march, I am more attuned to it than ever. And I have a friend who who recently referred to a, a referred to permanent burnout, and that people are absolutely crispy. You know, I mean, the people are (laughs) (laughs) crispy fried, crispy fried. You know, everyone that I know is, you know, dealing with family issues and personal health and anxiety and concern for the welfare of the world while working more than ever and being constantly tied to computers. And it's exhausting. People are pooped. And so, you know, we are, I am focused on and my leadership team, and we are focused on employee health and sustainability more than ever. And so that takes many forms. First of all, recognizing that people are pooped and need support and love and help. I think Indeed does a wonderful thing, which is we have um, one Friday a month called You Day, and it's just, it's a holiday, no meetings. Everybody takes the day to take a nap, go for a hike, see a friend, get that orthodontist appointment in for the kid they've never been able to schedule. Um, But I think it's a real acknowledgement that people need help and breaks. And then we're also, we're, we're doing a partnership with the University of Pennsylvania on teaching positive psychology and resilience to our marketing team members. And I'm really 
really excited about this program. And it, it actually came up through employees on the team themselves. But it's really trying to help people be very clear and intentional about managing our own psychology and being resilient in the face of prolonged challenges. And then we also, you know, I would say I'm really focused on making it easier to do great marketing work. Having worked now in a number of companies, and I think this will resonate for you too, it's often a wild and complicated web of teams and processes and departments to get marketing into the world, legal, procurement, privacy, data clearance, budgeting, et cetera. And so I'm really focused on trying to make some of these operational elements less painful, mm. faster, so that people can feel that they are making faster, better progress as marketers and spending a much lower percentage of their time trying to work things through through the mousetrap. I love that. And, and, and just to double click on that, Jessica, hats off to you because there is nothing more frustrating as a marketer than having an absolutely brilliant idea rooted <laughs> in data and market facts. And you feel this rush of getting the program out uh, there's creative juices flowing. You feel like there's an integrated marketing That's program ready to just crush it. And then procurement steps in and then legal steps in and the, <laughs> you know, the, the process, God bless legal and procurement, but the process gets in the way. And yep. then, you know, three weeks later, there's a bit of a deflated balloon. And so, totally. so, so good for you for, for well, actually and it's realizing- not just- it's not just our partners on other teams, right? Like how many marketing departments have we worked in where we make it harder for ourselves? Right, we're the own worst enemy. <laughs> yeah. Right? And like you've yep. got a brand team and a country team and a product marketing team and a comms team and a this team. And like, unless we clarify roles and responsibilities and how how things can go smoothly, people will lose their minds. And I think, like you said, Ron, like the deflation that people can feel, it's a responsibility for us as leaders to clear that brush. Well, speaking of clearing the brush, I wouldn't be able to live with myself as an executive recruiter if I didn't ask you this question, Jess. And that is, you know, what are some of your tips for building a great marketing team, especially with diversity and inclusion and well-being in mind? How do we build a great marketing team or even just a great workplace for that matter? Well, Kate, you I mean you could write your own book on this, which I would love to read. You know, I think I think it starts with uh, the diversity point is so key, right? Because I, I, this is hopefully becoming more standard thinking in business and marketing circles. But if we don't have teams that reflect our consumer base, we're never going to do good marketing, right? And I think I learned that very deeply at Facebook where, you know, you're trying to represent 2 billion people around the world. And if your marketing team is heavy US, heavy some kind of people or, or personality type, you will not have the kind of perspective that you need to do proper, global, deep, consumer-connecting marketing, or, or B2B for that matter, same story. So having the right diverse people on the bus is job one. Having amazing leaders that are not only strategic visionaries, but kind, generous, thoughtful people managers and have been coached and trained to be great people managers 
you will never get the kind of team health that you need to tackle the world. And so I think it is equal parts getting the right people in the bus and having the right managerial behaviors and training to foster that connection and health across the team. And then, you know, also providing the coaching and development for non-managers and other people on the team who are eager to develop their skills and be amazing contributors and build the business together. So it's, you know, it's not a, not something, Rome doesn't build in a day. It's not something you, it's not simple and it's always growing and, and flexing. But, you know, I would say I put incredibly high importance on recruiting, training, manager development, and we're using, and Kate, I'm sure you have a lot of experience with this, we're using a diversity recruiting method where for final round interviews, you always need to have, it's, we, like it's been called diverse slate approach. You need to have an appropriate mix of people of color, a variety of backgrounds, women, men, various gender identifications. So we are taking a very rigorous approach to diverse recruiting as well. That's terrific. And I, I'd love to read your book uh, just on training alone. Mm. I spend a lot of my day, as you can imagine, working with people like you to help identify great leadership. Yeah. But somewhere along the way, that great leadership learned how to be great. Yep. And you don't always get lucky enough to identify the perfect package right out of the gate. And um, searching for talent is not an activity called fetch. It's very true. Leader Identifying and bringing leaders into your organization is an exercise in solution finding. Mm. Um, and so, so I'm so glad you brought up the training aspect of what you feel is your responsibility, not just the the great leadership identification. We've got to help make these leaders great. We can't just hope to find them that way. That's right. right. Anyway, thank you for that. I am going to ask that we shift then to a conversation that in a way does reflect the importance of well-being of of, of employees and, and their satisfaction, but also is about what's happening in the market. Especially in the world of B2B, there's a lot of evidence that shows that post-COVID and leading up to COVID, customers are expecting to have a very different level of type of interaction with brands. There's a lot of evidence, in fact, that shows that customers expect to do a lot on their own, self-serve, so to speak. Mm, yeah. In that world, how have you or how are you building and structuring your marketing team for success in this kind of a hybrid buying environment? Oh, that is a rich topic. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think Google and Facebook and, and some, some big dogs have definitely trained us as business people to expect, as you said, to be able to do a lot on our own, which is wonderful and efficient and good for them and, and often good for us uh, as, as business people. Right, right. Um, and so, you know, it indeed, we have a number of solutions that are self-serve and you can, you know, post jobs and sponsor jobs and search our resume database and, you know, do a ton of things with us on a self-serve basis. And then we also have higher touch, you know, enterprise level solutions that are hand sold. 
And many of those we plan to automate and get into the self-serve realm as well. So as a marketing team, we need to be supporting the messaging and the nurture and the upsell and the education around self-serve options while simultaneously driving awareness of more of those enterprise high-touch solutions and enabling our sales teams to sell them effectively. Mm -hmm. So once again, it's about customer segmentation and clarity of you know, what products with what offerings are we selling to what types of clients at what point in their customer journey through what channels and means. And so we have teams, we have an SMB marketing team and an enterprise marketing team, and we, you know, segment customers and and reach them uh, and engage them in very different ways based on the self-serve options that are appropriate for, I mean, there are self-serve options that work great for small businesses and huge businesses. And then there are some, you know, more, you know, high touch things that are really more for the enterprise level. Right. And and it's amazing to me how many of the CMOs I know I'm working with are dealing with this, you know, almost double go-to-market motion. Yeah. It's literally two at the same time. That's right. Uh, and uh, there are, well, and, and and it's actually right much more complex than that, right? It's yeah. like you're, and it, it, we're a marketplace business, so we are simultaneously trying to reach and engage job seekers, consumer, exactly, yeah, yeah, to get them to upload resumes, apply for jobs, show up for interviews, etc. While we also aid clients on self serve and enterprise solutions, so right. it's you know it's not boring. Nope, not boring at all. And and I would argue that there aren't very many departments in an organization that are being asked to do so much at the same time. Uh, Yeah, I I think it's true. And and I think that that is part of marketer burnout, which which is really, really challenging. I mean, it's like you have more channels to engage people than ever before, right? more data, more customer segmentation, more complex customer needs, and more, 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 more. And, um, you know, it's it's a hell of a lot. Yep, it sure is. Well said. Well said. And, and Jessica, in this age of more, <laughs> yeah. what, what role is your... I, I've had the pleasure of hosting quite a few Indeed product marketers at my conferences in the past. Lovely bunch, by the way. What role does product marketing play for your team? And indeed, especially today in this, let's call it, quote unquote, the age of more. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that they are incredible enablers of our customers and our sales teams to help them understand the value of the products and services we put into market. And I also think that they are some of our leading ruthless prioritizers. And some of my product marketing leaders are are always the first to say, thank you, sales, for that request or that idea. That is very interesting. And we will tell you why we are not going to do that and why this other approach is better. Or very often, I will ask them to do something or, oh, I heard about this thing we could do. And they're like, right, Jessica. That is also interesting and a potential idea for Q3 2022. (laughs) And I admire and love that, right? Because they're being strategic and they're being intentional. And marketers love to please people. 
We love to make people happy. We love to give them amazing events and experiences and gifts. And so it is so hard for most marketers to say no. And I feel like the, our product marketers are have embraced the ninja art of no. I love that. And, and the fact that your product marketers, they have their ear to the ground and they are the voice of the market. They're the voice of your customer. They understand the voice of your competitors and then are feeding this through. And, and this is why perhaps they have the backbone and the data to back up right, exactly. this, this pushback yeah. against uh, CMO Jessica or sales rep uh, XYZ. So I, I absolutely Yo, love or, yeah. hearing that. I love hearing that. And so Jessica, to that end, you, you use the word prioritization. How are you managing your marketing team and, and all the sub-functions within marketing? We talked about product marketing, but you, you have quite a few, brand and demand gen and so on and so forth, partner marketing, I'm sure. How are you ensuring alignment and prioritization to of their efforts to the you know near-term and long-term company and yep. go-to-market objectives? Yeah, well, it's it's a good question. And and I think, you know, if, if for people who've been at super high growth companies, you you frequently find yourself with like teams that are you know, working, you know, possibly on similar things or not totally integrated. And, you know, there's eight teams that have 17 different OKRs. And um, you can find yourself kind of, you know, the duct tape and bubble gum of high growth gets you to a place where suddenly it, it can smell like chaos. So we have been going through a big process of refining our OKRs, aligning our teams. So we have three GM business areas headed by GMs, I mean, and they're job seeker, SMB, and enterprise. And so we now have core marketing teams aligned against those three areas of the business. We share their business OKRs. We build our sub-team OKRs to ladder up to those core business OKRs. And then we align all of the centers of excellence against those GM OKRs. So centers of excellence being brand, media, events, acquisition, ops, analytics, et cetera. So we're building a shared OKR system that is, frankly, much simpler than what has grown up organically, and then helping teams align their activities to that shared set of OKRs. And trying to, again, back to marketers love to please people, asking rigorously, does that activity, campaign, team effort contribute importantly and materially to these OKRs? If not, why are we doing them? I love that. That, that is terrific. It's now, of course, things slip through or people get excited about doing something and we do them anyway. <laughs> but... But we are trying to be extremely rigorous and clear about things that really move the business needle. Was that a change? I have to ask, Jessica, was the aligning along those GMs and then having the shared functions across the top, was that something that you did structurally upon joining? Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we had, I would say we were very closely aligned and integrated on the SMB side. But then on the enterprise and job seeker side, yes, we had some cleanup and some alignment to do. And we, we're still, my, my leadership team, we're still working on it and ironing out roles and responsibilities. But yes, I think I think getting to that 
more simple, clear, linear alignment has been uh, a step we've made quite recently. Uh, it, it has got to be a game changer as it relates to what I'm about to ask you, which is there's the part of your your day that is focused on managing your team. And then there's the daily life of managing, quote unquote, your peers. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering if this structural change is part of empowering and enabling you to better manage your peers. I say that with all respect. And oh, yeah, for sure. No, I know exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, engage my peers, maybe. Engage <laughs> but also just to, and to make sure that especially as we see in the past, we've seen uh, many B2B companies not really value marketing as a growth function, but at more as a cost center. In a million years, Jessica Jensen could never be a cost center. So um, I am, I'm asking, how do you do that? How do you ensure that marketing is not seen as a cost center, but as a growth function? Right. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I think that is such a critical way that we all as marketing leaders need to think and operate. And I think, yeah, me saying to the GM of SMB and the head of sales for enterprise and the product team that owns job seeker product development, your growth goals are my growth goals. Right. And my team is, I am going to measure the effectiveness of my team and you are going to hold me accountable for materially consistently contributing to your business growth goals, which we share together. And so I don't have Jessica's marketing goals and Jessica's fun CMO set of objectives. I have the business goals with you and that's what my team works on. Now there are places in the exciting Venn diagram of these relationships where that may not be totally linear, right? Like we have brand awareness and consideration goals that are critical to driving all of the boats to rise. True. So, right. you know, we, let's say we co-share the enterprise sales growth goal and the product adoption goal. Okay, that's very linear. But we also have marketing brand goals that contribute to the overall business health. And I would argue, and then I'll be quiet, I would argue that that is a major difference, not focusing as much on marketing's goals as the business's goals is a major differentiator between a marketer and a CMO. I don't yeah. think people realize how, how uh, marketers, I mean, I don't know that they realize how often they sound just like marketers. Mm, I think that's of, very instead of very business leaders, right? A business yeah. leader who happens to be sitting in the CMO chip. Yep. Um, oh, good, so. good insight, Kate. Yeah, and I'm sure you see that with candidates all day long. Yeah, and, and they just sabotaging themselves. They don't even know it, and it it by default sabotages the function. Yep. Well, I, I do think. I mean, I'll go. I'll follow you a little bit out on this limb and say. People who come up through the creative branch of marketing are often hesitant to embrace math and business strategy. And in order to cross the chasm from awesome brand storytelling and creative to true marketing management, you've got to get down with the abacus and really think like, as just like you said, as a business leader, not as a quotes marketer. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. I, my God, I mean, just recently we hired a um, someone to, to lead brand for Showpad. And, and sorry, Jess, we didn't use Indeed. My apologies. It, <laughs> it was an internal referral next time. I was going to say, hopefully you used Kate. Kate. I was going to say, they didn't use Kate either, by the way. <laughs> uh, I, I'm blessed to have a network that recommended someone brilliant. And, and you know, amongst the shortlisted candidates, just to your point, this is a, a typically a creative role, although for me, brand is your business system. Brand true, isn't just true. your color scheme and, and all that. Correct. But the person who won the job provided us with a clear answer as to if they received the funds they were asking for to build up the brand team and build, build up the brand just to, uh, from, from their vision, they had a clear line to how is this brand ROI going to result in the acquisition of customers, uh, yeah. retention of go. existing customers, and the expansion of existing customers. They had a direct line to each of those three business objectives. And if you're not doing one of those three, then you're just wasting dollars and on something that uh, sounds nice or looks nice. So uh, amen to that. If it's not driving the business objectives of acquisition, retention, or expansion, what are you doing? And 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 so I, I'm just so pleased <laughs> that you and, and Kate brought that up. All right. I have a final question for both of you. I feel like I could speak to you forever, both but but here we have to we have to cut it off and here's the final question and then I'm going to end with uh, my my last fill in the blanks final question and this is for you both Jess and Kate I know you speak to a lot of CMOs on a regular basis if you guys had a rally cry for marketing teams out there not just indeed uh, Jess all marketing teams out there right now as we come out of this pandemic and embrace a new normal of how buyers and sellers interact. This age of more data, you know, as you talked about more channels, more, more, more. What would that rally cry be to these marketing teams right now that are pushed, stretched to their limits? I say carpe diem. And I know that might sound a little bit odd given the conversation we've we've had about how crispy marketers might be right now and more and more and more. But the reality is all of this more has also empowered marketers, unlike any other time in business history. Mm. And I really, really honestly believe that. And it's not stopping anytime soon. Mm. The CMO and all things marketing have never been in a position of more power, responsibility, and respect. And it comes at a price. I'm not saying it doesn't. It's hard. But recruiting for the marketing function today is almost a polar opposite from 10 years ago, especially in B2B. And so I say, embrace the moment, seize the day, recognize your power and how how much the business desperately needs you as a fantastic marketer. Seize the day. I love it. All right. Yes. Kate, Kate wins. Kate's the winner. <laughs> uh, way better than mine. I love that. Yes, I think I I do think that marketers are more empowered and have more ability to have an impact than ever before. So my less impressive answer would be prioritize and stay kind. I do think that, again, I have seen this on so many marketing teams now, it's becoming a bit like Vujade, like trying to do everything is, it's just, it's like an epidemic. So prioritize, prioritize, trim, trim, and take care of each other and be generous and kind. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> oh my God. 
prioritize and stay kind. And the stay kind, I love that because uh, for me and, and our marketing team here, and just in, in general, even with my family, wake up every morning, especially giving the, the I love the phrase you use, Jess, crispy fried. Everyone's crispy fried coming out of this, uh, this pandemic. Empathy, empathy, empathy. Say the word empathy 10 times when you wake up every morning, because when you are dealing with your family, when you're dealing with your interlocks, when you're dealing with your customers, everyone's going through this that we're going through on a personal level. And so empathize with them, empathize with them. And and so that stay kind really resonates because they're going through things that you may not be aware of, Uh, empathize with them and, and, you know, seize the day thereafter with empathy top of mind. So thank you both for your time. So fun. Gosh, thank you so much. You're terrific. Both of you. Thank you. (laughs) Delightful. Last fill in the blank. Product marketers can be architects of growth for their company if they... I will say if they recognize their, um, their unique and particularly vital position in the marketing department overall, but specifically overall in the, in the company, product marketers are not only the voice of the market, they are the lever between sales and product. There's no other position in a company like it. And they, they need to recognize that, that powerful, critical role and embrace it. Beautiful. Jessica, product um, marketers can be architects of growth for their company if they... Connect products to overall business strategy and talk to people as people. So I think one of the curses of product marketing is that you get wrapped up in your own internal lexicon, language, lingo, and the best product marketers talk to people like normal people who may not understand every nuance of amazing product depth and don't need to. And then making sure that your product marketing is part of your brand strategy, your business growth strategy, and not an adjunct product function. Mm. Wow. Once again, going back to this, the, the, the theme of business outcomes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, well said. Very often you have product marketers who focus on one subset of a product solution set or offering. And so they are understandably obsessed with that sub-segment and that set of functionality. And how that connects to 17 other pieces of the product puzzle is very often lost And can anyone explain at an Uber level how these individual features and products and solutions ladder up to the business offering? That is is hard to do well. Yeah. Wow. Well, this session was called Well-Built, Indeed. Well, (laughs) (laughs) truly, Indeed is in great hands here with you at the helm, Jessica. Thank you so much for your time. Kate, as always, you're a wealth of insights. You are an honorary CMO. You're the Sherpa for CMOs. I truly believe that. And so thank you both for your time. The product marketing community is that much better and ahead with the insights that you shared today. Thank you both. Have a good one. Thank Thank you. you. Take care. That's the show. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to visit productmarketingcommunity.co to subscribe and get more information on how you too can become a architect at your organization.